The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Okay, yes, custom uh, to, uh, to receive one of the accounts of Jesus' being tempted in a desert this first Sunday of Lent, right? Uh, year A, you have Matthew, we have Mark this year, and then you have uh, Luke um, in uh, year C. Uh, this, is, this is the one account that is very terse, right? There's, there's not much at all here. There's not, there's not much meat on the bone, as it were. Um, but here it is, all the, you know, nonetheless, the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. He remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. Okay, that's it. So, if you want more, if you want more of what was going on in the desert, then feel free to check out the fourth chapter of either Matthew or Luke. We're going to hang out here, and I think there's probably uh, more than enough to satisfy as we set out, you know, in earnest this journey, this 40-day fast that we're committed to the season of Lent. Yeah, so what do we see? This scene comes right after the baptism of Jesus, where we see the Spirit descending upon him. Yeah, another translation has descended into him, which then when we see the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, we're, we're, we're meant to see Jesus is acting as the Spirit-possessed person, is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And yes, 40 days tempted by Satan. He was among the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. I think that's terribly significant for us. Okay, so we see that Jesus being driven out into the wilderness, being, being driven out into that, that border territory of chaos, uh, the lack of civilization, uh, the lack of human relationship, right into the desert. There he is by himself to do battle with the devil. We're to understand, of course, that he achieves this, say, first preliminary victory over the devil that will culminate in his, say, total defeat of the devil in his death and resurrection. Right? And what do, what do we mean by that? I want, I want to give some sense, a little bit of hermeneutic or the key to unlock the door on what we mean by Jesus' defeat of the devil and this being his victory over, his total victory over the devil. So say this, Jesus, being possessed by the Spirit, goes out in order to embody the Spirit of God. We know this about Jesus as it is. He is the embodiment of God's own life of love. Okay, so his whole being then is charity. And inspired by the Spirit, right, he, he, the Spirit as his animating force, yeah, Jesus is about not only, say, charity and the works of charity, he's about ushering in the civilization of charity. Okay, and the reason why this then is his, his victory over the devil is because he goes that way even to death. And not even, not even death 
overcomes the way that he goes. Right? So Jesus is committed totally to going God's way. And going God's way to death, he overcomes even death, right? our, our ultimate enemy and, and the greatest disfiguring force uh, that, we, that we know right? and that opposes us. So here in the, in the desert, he's tempted by Satan. He overcomes those temptations, right? So we know here, the 40 days, it's, yeah, it's, it's not just a number, right? Jesus is in the, in the desert for 40 days. This is a recapitulation of the story of Israel, who's in the desert for 40 years. And although Israel succumbed to all manner of temptation in the wilderness, Jesus does not, right? So where Israel fails... Jesus succeeds. Israel created to be God's renewal force, right? God's force of renewal in the world. So they're restored by God to be his renewal force in the world. They fall short and fail. Jesus overcomes and succeeds. And then we see fulfillment. The time of he came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The time of fulfillment, the time of renewal. Yeah, the, the head of God's people has been renewed. He now is summoning God's people to follow him in faith so as to be renewed and be about the work of renewal in the world. Driven by the Spirit themselves, right? animated by the force of charity, God's own life of love himself, they will bring renewal to the entire world. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God, God, God and his way as the ordering principle of all of human life, the kingdom of God is at hand. The force of renewal is coming to bear. Repent and believe in the gospel. Leave your ways behind and follow Jesus, who is the king of God's coming kingdom. And so this, we have all of this at, at work in, in the passage today. I just, want to, I just want to offer a little bit of a, of a reflection on a, on a couple of lines, or really on one line, uh, that, that might otherwise go, say, a little bit missed. Okay. He was Jesus. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Okay, there are two ways that we can understand Jesus here being among wild beasts, both of them highly scriptural. One is to say this. One is the kingdom of God being implemented. As we know it, human endeavor, great harmony and peace for the entire world. And not just the entire world, as we know it, human endeavor and activity, but also the, the entire world as, say, every creature living in harmony, right, embodying and living in peace one with the other. Jesus, then, we see would be affecting new creation in the wilderness, right? So in that place of, of chaos and confusion, Jesus is bringing about order, and not just any old order, but God's order, the order that will bring peace to the world. Yet the, another way to see his being among the wild beasts is that Jesus, as God's beloved son, Right, in this recapitulation of the people of Israel. So as Israel in the flesh, Jesus is protected from being consumed by the wild beasts. And so the protection of God is with him. Either way, when we, when we make our way into the rest of the story, right, after John had been arrested, we see that the wild beasts are not simply contained or, say, um, uh, they're, yeah, they're, they, they don't find their habitat only in the wilderness, the wild beasts are all around us. They're all around Jesus as he goes about preaching the kingdom of God and bringing it to life. What do we, what do we know then? 
We know that here Jesus, possessed by the Holy Spirit, is going to bring this God's good order to all of creation. And whether, this, whether the beasts say are simply prevented from devouring him, or even among them, he's to bring harmony and new order, we know that it is by following Jesus in faith that we're going to have some part in this. Another little look at the beasts and the angels, right? As, I, as I've said a hundred times before, man is a heaven and earth creature. And here we get a first look at it in the Gospel of Mark. Yeah, he was among wild beasts. The angels ministered to him. This is, this is the right order of all things. But here we have already a work, three categories of beings. We have beasts, right? We have just right, these bodily creatures. We have angels, right? That the more vertical realm, we have uh, heavenly beings, heavenly creatures. And we have Jesus as the truly human being who is a heaven and earth being. Right? He is the truly human being as the heaven and earth being. We have to follow Jesus. We have to entrust ourselves to him in order to become fully alive as God's heaven and earth beings. And look here, it's not just, say, three categories of, of being. What we see is that Jesus is at the very center of the thing. So we're to expect that he's the one who is, okay, he's being ministered to by angels, right? God's blessing is coming upon him to give him the strength, the protection, the nourishment that he needs. And he then is ordering the affairs of, say, creaturely life as he brings harmony to, to all of creation. We too are to do the same. And I will offer in, say, my, my abridged homily this morning that the way that, the way that this happens par excellence, the way that we live this, heaven and earth reality, is in the Mass, okay, in the Mass. So we have come together, third category of being, exercise our common priesthood. As that, as that third category of beings, as heaven and earth creatures, as priests, and as God's kings, people bring order to his creation, we've come here today to exercise our common priesthood. We have come here to do what no other creature can do, and that's to bring earth to heaven. And we bring earth to heaven in the sacrifice of Jesus. Right? So here on the altar is represented the Good Friday sacrifice of Jesus toward which our, our Lent is pointed, right? And which, this is where our Lent finds its fulfill, fulfillment, is our participation in the sacrifice that is being presented here. So Jesus is offering himself whole and entire to the Father. And we are offering ourselves along with him. We, right? Okay, so this, I call this um, a dedication as well, right? So this is an exercise of our common priesthood. It's a dedication. Why? Because we, as we offer ourselves to the Father through and with and in Jesus, we are turning over to God everything we have and everything we are. We're pledging to God. We're dedicating to God everything we have and everything we are. And that's what we're doing here at the Mass, you know, building in steady crescendo as we make our way to the Eucharist and through the liturgy of the Eucharist. Okay, that's an exercise of our priesthood. We're bringing earth to heaven. This stuff, right, the stuff of being a bodily creature, I'm bringing this to heaven, and I'm turning it over to heaven. Then what happens, right? Having offered, having offered the sacrifice, 
we are made fit to receive the fruit of the sacrifice, which is nothing other than the risen body and blood of Jesus and his own life of love made flesh for us. That's what we're doing in communion. Right? So we've turned, our, we've turned our hearts and our lives over to God at the altar. We've offered ourselves in that priestly service to him. And now we're receiving the power of heaven itself in communion in, so that we might go to those places of chaos and confusion and bring goods, God's good order in the power of self-giving, in the power of love. Okay, everyone's good, yeah? Yeah, okay, great. Okay, so one little thing. I want to add some controversy to the thing today, okay? Say, yeah, it's very much like me, so just go along with it. Okay, who watched the Super Bowl? Okay, I came with the cool crowd, right? Everybody's watching the Super Bowl, yeah. Okay, so do you, you remember the commercial, He Gets Us? Do you see it? For me, powerful, beyond belief. Brought me, it brought me to the point of tears, okay? Let me, t- let me tell you why. And I know that, look, there's, there's a whole cast of Catholic commentators that are saying that was the worst thing that ever happened. That was, that was totally missed the point of the gospel. Totally, okay, they are wrong. They are wrong. They're allowed to be wrong, okay? So you have to give them a bit of space. And in charity, we'll, we'll allow that to happen, okay? So the commercial runs like this. Okay, he gets us. The idea is you have people, Christians, I would imagine, right, this is it, Christians washing the feet of other people, and they're washing the feet of all kinds of people. I won't get into it. You can watch the commercial for yourself, right, because I can't keep it all in my mind. I'm not running on coffee these days, okay, so I'm not, answer it, okay? So he's washing the feet of all kinds of people, and what, what does it mean? Okay, so there's things like, okay, there's someone outside the abortion clinic washing the feet of a woman who's just been, in, just been inside. This is what the image gives you, right? There's, there's some member representing the LGBT community, and here's a Christian washing the feet, and many other places besides, okay? And people say, no, it misses the point of the gospel. The gospel is the proclamation of, of the truth, the liberating truth of Christ Jesus, salvation for all. We have to follow him in faith. So, okay, great, fine. But this is what's happening in the washing of feet, is that Christians are going out, animated by charity, to serve their neighbor. I'm sorry, what is wrong with that? There's nothing at all wrong with that. That is exactly what the Christian is. That is what we're doing here, right? We're turning over everything we have and everything we are to God. We're receiving the power of heaven, the power of God's own life of love, and we have to go out there and make it count for people. we got to go out there and wash feet. That's what it means. So what does it mean? I know that washing feet is not the entirety of the gospel, but washing feet is, in fact, the animating and organizing principle of the gospel. So let me, let me put it in starker terms than that. Everything that the... Okay, I dare one of those guys to... Is animated by charity. Okay, I dare one of those guys to... To challenge me on the point, right? Everything that the Christian does, everything that is a property Christian act is an act that is inspired by charity. It's inspired by love. It's inspired by God's love. Okay, and this is the space then that we're called to be by this gospel. Yeah, we're called to be spirit-driven people ourselves, animated and sustained by charity, by God's own life of love.
That's why we commit ourselves to this Lenten season, where everything else can kind of fade away and fall off or even get chopped off, right? Or allow God to uproot and replace and whatever, right? There's a lot of work that has to happen in this season in order to live spirit-driven lives, in order to live lives that are, say, inspired and nourished and sustained only by God's life of love. But today, we commit to it. And these 40 days, we commit to it so that God's grace will spill out from us and cover all of creation so that his good order, an order that is animated and sustained by charity itself, can be brought to everyone we encounter.